get a job. Work hard. And one day you can retire and do the things you want. That's the typical formula for daily life in the modern world. And it works for lots of people. This kind of life is perfect. But it's not for us. And I'm guessing that it's not for you either. I'm David Allen Patali, and I'm Carmen Allen Patali, and together we run the content company Red Platypus. I'm also a published fiction author, and we have two young daughters who keep us on our toes. We've both said no to well-paid jobs in favour of pursuing our creative paths, and we want to walk them with you. Freelancer, digital nomad, artist, creative, self-employed. Whatever you want to call it, if you work for yourself and want to keep it that way, or want to be free from the nine to five and don't know where to start, we want to help. We're going on a journey to speak to committed creatives, people who are all in, who have made highly successful businesses out of their creativity, and ask them how they do it while retaining the magic. Because while we think inspiration is good, we've come to learn that process is vital. Welcome to the Committed Creative Podcast, your toolkit for the creative life you want. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to season two of the Committed Creative Podcast. Bigger, better. (laughs) Well, actually more of the same, but... (laughs) Diving deeply into creativity and the things that make us passionate about what we do and speaking to other creators about what makes them passionate about what they do and how we can all benefit from that. All the lessons and all the insights to help you on your creative journey. So keeping to that theme, we thought that today we would talk about how to get that spark of creativity going, get those creative juices flowing and also about how to... How to discover your passion and unearth what it is you want to do with your working life. It's true because my passion is for sleeping and for <laughs> procrastinating. But what's my real passion? What, how, do, how do you bust beyond that? How do you dig down into what you were put on this earth to do? Mm. The thing that you will regret if you don't do it. Yes, because we don't believe in regrets. We want to be on that deathbed going, actually, I'm pretty fulfilled with the way I lived my life. Yeah, I'm disappointed to go. <laughs> of you know, course. I'd rather stick around. But, uh, Although you know, if I was 102, I'd probably be ready. <laughs> probably, yeah. Well, depending on medical technology. But, uh, okay, so... so um, we're digressing. Yeah, but uh, our format today is um, we're going to interview each other about what we do creatively and what we do that's passionate in our lives, how we discovered that, but then also digging really deeply into that how do you maintain the motivation? How do you get started? How do you keep this dream alive? Because creativity is one of the more unusual um, aspects of, of, of life. You know, it's something that you can't particularly force, but when you make it your life, when you make it your career, you kind of have to. Mm. So how do, you, how do you balance that need to keep creating with the need to be authentic and to, mm. and to be fulfilled artistically? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So do you want to go first? If you like. You interview me first. Okay, I'll interview you first. So, (laughs) Carmen, what makes you tick? What makes you passionate? Uh, I love to write, which I guess, and I've always loved to write. Even as a little kid, I would keep a journal. It's really funny when you read back on them. 
I think when I was nine, I wrote, I love Tyson because he loves cats. <laughs> uh, just They're hilarious. But um, I've always kind of kept a journal and always written about what's going on in my life and found it really therapeutic. And I just did it for me. I never really, I mean, this, these are the days before blogging was even a thing. But then obviously then when we, we started our travel blog, um, and you were the driving force behind that. You really wanted to do that. Yeah. And, I mean, it wasn't – we didn't start it to make money. We just started mm. it to share our experiences. And I think that's the key. When you're thinking about what you want to do with your working life, what would you do for free? What would you do without the money involved? Would you still get up and do it even if you weren't getting paid? And that was certainly the way for it was f- – with me for writing, I would, I mean, we started the travel blog, I wasn't getting paid, but I would always blog regularly just because I really enjoyed it. It was my passion. And recently I've been receiving some business coaching and they've been talking about discovering your passion and so forth. And one of the golden tidbits of advice that came up was if you're not sure what you're passionate about, think about what you like to do when you were young Think about what you like to do when you were at school. And I found that really interesting because I thought back to the games I used to play as a kid. <laughs> and I actually just wrote a blog on this today. It's quite funny. Um, one of the things I loved to do was to sit my neighbour from down the road uh, down in front of me and I would be the teacher and she would be the student. She must have loved me and I would make her sit through lessons. So you've gr- But you've grown up and nothing's changed because you just found a husband to boss around. <laughs> I just, I loved, uh, I loved teaching, but then I never, I never had a desire to be a teacher when I grew up, but I've realized now that I love teaching workshops. I love teaching online courses and I love sharing my knowledge and I love public speaking. And I was always on the debate team, debating team at school. I was always, uh, in every single play at school, every, every musical, I loved doing drama. Um, and it's interesting because I think the career I've created for myself uh, as a copywriter, I do the writing part, sure, which is part of the passion that I love, but I also do a lot of public speaking, a lot of events, uh, and a lot of workshops where I share my knowledge and teach other business owners uh, tips and tricks about copywriting. So it's interesting how I've actually, the stuff that I love to do as a kid has really shone through in my career now. Hmm. And how do you maintain your passion? How do you maintain your motivation to keep doing these things? Because, you know, Double Barrel Travel, the the travel blog, that was happening whilst we were travelling. We're not travelling anymore. (laughs) But we've switched those energies into Red Platypus, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. our business that helps helps, uh, companies express themselves creatively and tell their stories. How do you maintain the passion you have for writing when you're doing it as a nine-to-five job? Or, or actually, it's not nine to five, is it? It's two hours here and hour there, you know, wherever we can. Um, I think that it's our clients that really drive me. Uh, they hold me accountable and they keep that passion alive. And when they get excited about the work that I've done for them, that is like the cherry on top. Mm-hmm. And it really pumps me up and gives me the motivation to keep on going. And when I... Like, for example, if I receive, like, a five-star Google review and a client writes some kind words about the work we've done, it it's almost like someone patting you on the back. And that really 
just helps me in knowing that I'm really on the right track. I'm really doing what I love to do because I'm getting results for clients and I'm loving the journey. I think that's the biggest motivator for me. I think as well, um, you know, like attracts like. You know, you, you work with some mm. very interesting clients and, you know, the way Red Platypus is set up and it expresses itself, it's attracting a certain type of client. We're not mm. just, a, you know, a one-size-fits-all, hey, hey, you want some copy written? We'll do it for you. Like, mm. we want a very specific kind of person or a specific kind of business. Is mm. that also a bit of a factor that you're, you're, you're defining yes. your boundary? It's so interesting because someone was asking me about the ideal client that we have the other day and have you found it really interesting that just, I think, like, is it 95% of cli- all clients who ever worked for have been women? <laughs> women are entrepreneurs who have their own, and generally speaking, creative business. Um, so it's funny because we seem to attract, and obviously you're not a woman, but I think... Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I think women feel very comfortable around you. Uh, and... And because, well, you're just a likable person, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Thank you. <laughs> That's high praise. <laughs> you're a praise. wonderful man. And I think women feel com- comfortable around you as well. And, um, yeah, so mainly all our clients are women, which is really interesting. I never really, I guess I have noticed that, but more so over the past year. And I just, I love that about our business because I really love seeing women in business thrive. I think that's also a massive motivator for me. And when they're going out on their own and maybe they have a couple of kids and they realize they don't want to go back to the corporate world after having children and this is their business now and it's a way of them spending more time with their kids and their family. I just, I love that we can help them. To achieve that, that just really motivates me. Well, just from my observation, it tends to be women who feel that way. You know, a, mm. a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, work from home and COVID's changed everything. It's, you know, whilst that's great, what it's done is accelerate uh, a way a lot of people have been feeling. And you, you particularly mm. hear it, in, in my view, from women. You know, uh, women are far more open to this kind of to this kind of work or this kind of lifestyle or entrepreneurial uh, kinds of kinds of ways of doing things. Mm. Uh, and they're open to, to the creative side of things as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very generally speaking. Uh, but, yeah, so like attracts like, right? Absolutely. And I think that I, I always say to people, once you work for yourself, it's really, really, really hard to go back and work for someone else because you've had a taste of that lifestyle. And I think so many people are experiencing that in a certain way post-COVID or even though COVID's a bit still around, isn't it? But because they've spent a lot of time working from home and even now they might still be working for someone else, but they've had a taste of what it's like to work from home and they don't want to go back to that office space every day they might want to go a few days a week and touch base with people but they don't want to be in there every day commuting for two hours a day being away from their families for longer than they need to be uh and it's just shown them that it's possible to have a different way of life and now i think so many people are struggling to go back to that corporate world Mm. yeah where you're compensated for your time Mm. rather than rewarded for your expertise yeah and your outcomes Yeah. yeah yeah well just back to you Personally, you know, that, that, that's all the work stuff. But underlying all of that is you have a very deep creative drive. You know, I see you getting up every morning uh, and, you know, you write in your journal and, you, and you, you do drawing, you do artwork. You're always engaging in something creative. 
Mm. Um, where does that come from for you? Why, why do you make time for that in your life? Hmm, why do I make time? I think I need it. It's so important, especially as a mum. I feel like I feel like this is more for mums and dads. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> you start to lose your identity when you become a mum. Like before you're a mum, you're that person and you do these things and you have these hobbies. And then I feel like when you become a mum, it's so easy to fall into that identity of you're just a mum. And... I don't want to be just a mum. I don't want to be just an entrepreneur. I don't want to be just a a woman in business. I have many different layers to me. And I think the creativity, like the business side of things is very creative for me, but also the creativity of just painting a picture, doing my art or reading a book or writing, uh, practicing yoga, those parts of me allow me to connect with my old self and like my true self and even the parts of me that were me before I was a mum that really helps me to become grounded and also it keeps me calm like I need those extra hobbies and things in my life because otherwise it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of mum and work life that you just forget about the creative things it's so important to make as a mum it's so hard to make space for creative things but it's so important really for your mental health you really do need to make time for those creative pursuits and and also does it help your work in doing that it really helps my work uh especially journaling because it really helps me focus and I might not even be journaling about work but it helps me to get all my thoughts down on the page so that when I do sit down to work, I'm actually concentrating on work <laughs> and not worrying about other things that might have been bothering me. Yeah, you flushed it all out. Yeah, it re- oh, it's cool. like a cleansing uh, psychology exercise, <laughs> honestly, journaling every morning. Should I read these journal posts? <laughs> <laughs> Often I'm not even journaling. You obviously haven't read it because you'll probably find it's very repetitive. Honestly, sometimes I'm just journaling the same goals every day just so I can focus on what I'm, what I'm wanting to achieve. And my art, that I feel like that helps me to, in my work as well, because it helps me to tap into like my right side that's the creative side of your brain isn't it and get those juices flowing because as even though we're in a creative business it still can be quite left-sided brain a lot of the time especially with the business side of things and not sometimes it's easy to forget the creative side Mm. so the the art really helps me with that as well I think so what about you David let's talk about creativity (laughs) with you you are like Definitely the most creative man I know, by far. I I think that's one of the things that attracted me to you. Good. If I read your journal entries, I expect to to read nothing but that. No, um, I had to, um, I mean, I write. I'm a writer. So I write in my, I write for a living. But um, when I write fiction, I write for myself. And I... Though I'd like to make my living from uh, being a full-time creative creative writer, um, that's not why I'm doing it. That's not why I do it. Mm. Um, Does any writer ever start writing no. to make money? Oh, they're insane. Um, no, um, <laughs> you know, uh, early on in my 
career, if you'd asked me this, I'd say, oh, you know, I write because I have to write or because it's a passion or, or anything, you know, all those sorts of things. And you try to explain it. But I've just come to accept that that's who I am. I'm a writer. Uh, it's what I do. And, you know, I was listening to an interview with Ian McEwan the other day, a guy who wrote Atonement. Mm, I love and he said, you know, it's, it's his favourite thing in the world and he cannot imagine why anyone else would not want to do that all day. <laughs> and I feel the same way. It's that, it's that um, you know, when you're a child and you're down at the beach and, you know, your parents are yelling at you that it's time to go and you're there going, no, one more minute. That, that's how I feel about about when I when I write, you know, and I only get an hour a day usually, and you know, I have to get up very early to do it. But mm. and I hate that, <laughs> but I also love that because it's the most delicious pain. Because once you start getting into telling the story and, and all that kind of thing, and then you have to come away from it, and you have to survive another day, and get back mm. get back to the page, and it's ticking over in your mind constantly, 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 constantly. I'm, I'm looking out the window sometimes, just thinking about things. And I also love the secretiveness of it. I love that <laughs> I have all these stories that I'm writing in secret in this room and one day I'm going to launch them into the world. And I, was, I had the privilege last year of launching my first book out into the world and that was, that was stunning because it was something that I'd worked on largely in secret for for about 10 years. Mm. And to finally give it out and give it over and see it received so well uh, was really humbling mm. and it's been an amazing journey to have and um everyone it's called locus summer locus you can summer, pick you it up at your local bookstore <laughs> or online amazon yeah. <laughs> anywhere but the funny thing is that um you know a lot of people will talk about art versus commerce we're like you know I've, I've put this book out it's now for sale it doesn't belong to me anymore i still get the royalties you know that's great but <laughs> uh but the book doesn't belong to me anymore and the process of promoting it and talking about it and all those kinds of things is so separate, so distinct from sitting down in front of a blank page and making stuff up mm. that it's not, you can't even consider it remotely creative. Mm. The only thing that matters is sitting down and writing. And I had a, um, a writing course that I taught last year. It was the basis for the online course that I'm developing now, which is coming soon, um, where I think one of the main things that I tried to teach a lot of these new writers is that you should just forget being published and not mm. to not to say that you won't be published it's if the only reason that you're doing something is to stick it out in the world and get it published and make it you know have it make money it's not going to be very not going to be very good it's not coming from a place of uh passion or authenticity mm. that stuff will always come if mm -hmm, it's good enough mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know if you if you keep your creative stuff almost almost sacred and then push it through the membrane into the commercial side then that's best that's what I've found, at least. I feel like that's true with anything. I haven't been corrupted yet. <laughs> so we'll see. Like, my mum's always said, money will come, money will come. Yeah. If you do... My mum's full of wisdom. But if you do the thing that makes you happy, honestly, your energy is so positive. Mm. You're so passionate. People pick up on that vibe, and they actually want to work with you because okay. you are enthusiastic, and you, like, bounce into the room, and you, you're smiling, and... That energy just attracts other people to work with you. They, they're like, oh, I want a piece of that. And so I think sometimes it's so easy to fall into that trap of just doing something for the money. Like, yeah. if we're, I mean, we've even fallen into that trap sometimes uh, when, especially when you're starting out because you just, you just want the money, right? So you just, you, you just say yes to everything. But you'll soon find that if it doesn't align with what you actually love to do, 
you'll find that you either start to resent the work and then you get you repel it so you get less work. Yeah. But if you say no to the things you actually don't feel too strongly about, passionate about, and say yes to what you, you know, what you've what lights your fire yeah you'll soon see it grow and it'll spread like wildfire you absolutely will and and it's what i love about like you know when i switch my creative writing brain to say corporate writing brain Mm -hmm. i love using that stuff in there anyway I think that's what sets our copy apart you know just to you know pump up our own tires a little bit you know like (laughs) we can do you know we we both have journalistic experience and that's like joining the army for writing Mm -hmm. you know it teaches you teaches you very very strong writing skills Mm. but the creative writing stuff busts you out of that of that regimented Mm -hmm. way of doing things and i think that's an advantage in in the world of copywriting where you need to have at least some creativity in what you're saying a way of telling people stories and Mm -hmm. expressing it and doing it in a different way and exercising those creative muscles will just help you doing you know helps me to do that and i love writing copy that sings you know that, yeah. that, that it falls down the page there's you know that even yeah. sometimes there's internal rhyming scheme yeah you know just to give it patter and um, also i mean we have to write in our client's tone of voice all the time mm. so we need to be creative because we've got to empathetic to it yeah we've got to be yeah. thinking like them we've got to be putting their hat on we've got to think about how they would sound if they were writing it in their voice so the creative i love that part about it i love stepping into someone else's voice and yeah crafting copy from their point of view oh i love yeah oh. yeah for sure nothing like a crisply written page <laughs> of copy so I'm, and that's the stuff that turns us on you know and, yeah, and, and yeah. it doesn't and for other people this is the other thing like getting older you kind of just not only do you accept yourself you accept other people you know um one of the one of the key observations i've had is that you know like i, um, I have friends now who i share values with rather than interests interests mm. are cool interests are glue but it's values, and, and and I think the core value is just accepting everybody for who they are. Mm. I love that. I love that's what I love about getting older. Everyone's just cool with everybody now, you know. Mm. And and I well, think that depends what circle. Depends, sure. But 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 that's what I like about it. Like there are, there will always mm. be. This is the other thing about being creative is that um, it's hard to understand for a lot of people. They look at. Uh, I've often joked, you know, some people think, "Oh, Dave, you know, why did you, why did you devote ten years of your life to writing this book and all this kind of stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, you know." You, you're putting it in kind of, um, I would say, I would say, typically negative territory that most people have about art. What's the point of that? Why would you do that? But if you actually, you know, being cheeky, if you started talking about it in business terms, perhaps they would understand. Yeah. You know, like, oh, you know, I saw a gap in the market and I decided to use my skills to create a product <laughs> and then I found a partner, the publisher, to put it out. You know, like if you start talking about that, but then going full circle on that on that logic. They don't need to understand. It's okay if they don't. Yeah. Um, it's okay to, to not be accepted. You know, growing up, you have such a hard time in school trying to fit in. Mm. But no one fitted in. No. Some some people fitted in very easily. It's why I'm always suspicious of cool people. Don't like cool people. Oh, you don't like me then? You were never cool. I was always cool. Nah. You were kind of <laughs> geeky. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yep. What do you say to people when they come up to you and they're like... Oh, I've had this idea for a story for so long and I just really want to write it. What do you say? Because I've heard so many people, like, ask you that question. 
I say you should give it a go, but you need to remember that an idea for a story is just a scenario, not a story. Mm. That's what I always say, and it's harsh advice, but it's true. It's like, you know, I've got this idea for a story. It's about a, you know, a man who wanders into the desert and he finds, you know, um, an enormous crystal cave full of diamonds. I'm like, that sounds great. And then what? You know, like the central, the central scenario that we all think up and think of as a story is not necessarily a story. Mm. Telling, writing a book is about exploring the human condition, about exploring themes and about exploring your character. Telling a ripping yarn, you know, spinning the yarn, making it get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You haven't got a story, you've got a scenario. Mm. And your job as the writer is to turn one into the other. I mean, even with your own book, you started mm. off thinking that it was about a relationship between father and son, but then mm. by the time it was published, it had evolved so much. It was actually a relationship between father and um, mother and son, sorry. Completely, completely. So it totally changed as it evolved and developed, and I loved watching you go through that process and uncover your characters. It was fascinating to me. Well, the story tells, the story tells itself to you not the other way around. Mm. And you've got to also figure out how to tell the story. Every novel teaches you how to tell it, mm. and you only get that through repetitively going through it. Now, yes, I could have I could have told Locust Summer in the original way, and it would have been fine, but I wanted to go really deep on it. I think it really just depends how, you know, on what level do you want to engage with this art, what style do you want, how, how far do you want to take this. Mm. And I chose to go the literary route, which takes it quite far and quite long. Uh, and that's fine. Um, that's just what I wanted to do. And that was really, really fascinating. Like you said, it it, it grew and it evolved and it changed. Uh, and I liked, I suppose maybe part of creativity is um, letting go of the perfection inside your mind. Mm. You know, I had this idea for how this story would be. And in my mind, it's perfect. Mm. But actually when I sit down as a, you know, a, a meaty bag of flesh with all my you know, arrogance and stupidity and, and muddle-headedness, and I had to sit down and actually type this thing out over years and years and years, and I did a... what um, Compared to the perfection in my mind, I did a bad job. But you've got to accept that. <laughs> I think you've got to accept that because only, you know, only the gods are perfect. Mm. Um, what we produce will inevitably have the marks of humanity on it, and it's imperfect, so isn't there that phrase like art is never finished or yeah. something? Yeah. Only good. Well, my mum always, my mum who's an artist always says only God is perfect. Yeah. So it's about doing it and it's about following that process. Yeah. No such thing as perfect. No. If it's perfect, it's probably machine made. And I think if you're a perfectionist, you're, you're, it holds you back mm. because you never put stuff out there because it will never be perfect. It really. Well, why mess with the image in your head? <laughs> I'm so not a perfectionist. It was, yeah. <laughs> and I used to think that was kind of a bad thing, but over time I've like, come to learn that actually maybe it's a good thing. It's pretty good. Like done is better than perfect sometimes. Yeah. I think your novel's pretty perfect though. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's pretty good too. <laughs> I have another question for you, David. Yes. How much do you think writing a novel is about mindset? Mm. How much does your mindset come into play with writing? I mean, you, it took you 10 years <laughs> to write this book. So how much did your mindset come into play in order to finish that book? Not only just finish it, 
but keep submitting it to because if no one knows the backstory, Dave submitted it to how many publishers? More than thirty. More than thirty. He got more than well, thirty rejections. Publishers, agents, competitions. Yeah, more than thirty rejections before it got picked up by Fremantle Press, and now it's like been long listed for awards, short list of rewards. It's been received to critical acclaim. Which, I mean, J.K. Rowling's another example of... I think she was mm. rejected by even more, oh, and she's probably the... Well, actually, I know she's the highest paid author of all time. So, how much does mindset... Getting so knocked back so many times... Well, let's not even talk about that part of it yet. Let's talk about actually writing the thing. <laughs> how did you manage to complete this book? It took you so long. How did you... How much did mindset come into play? Well, George Orwell said that writing a book is like having a long illness... And it kind of, it's, it is kind of like that. It just gets into you like an illness. It's, um, it's something Is that for that, the wife as well? Because yeah, <laughs> I felt like I had a long illness. I thought you said it was fascinating. <laughs> um, no, so I was just bloody minded about it. It was something that I had to do and that I wanted to do. And I wouldn't take no for an answer mm. because I had to get it right. And I felt a burning desire to tell this story. I was deeply, pa- I am deeply passionate about this story and these characters, and I because I feel it in the you know in the very fabric of my soul. So, yeah, your mindset has a lot to do with it because it's it's simultaneously I can do this and I can't do this. Mm. There's a you know there's a it's a a horrible long time. Sometimes you can make you can make the path really hard for yourself. It's racked with self doubt, with self criticism about all kinds of stuff because it's a constant you're constantly creating stuff and then ditching it because it's not good enough and trying again and but learning by increments along the way. Uh, and it doesn't get better. You know, in the second book, I'm still struggling with mm-hmm. my second book. Everyone does. Third book, fourth book, fifth book, because, um, you know, the, the creative process is, um, is, is not about, um, it's not like mowing the lawn or something like that. It's not mm. something you can just repeat. It, you know, it's, mm. it's different for each, for each artwork. So your mindset, I think, has to be almost like a hopeful ruthlessness. You know, uh, You've got to stay on task, stay on target, but also be kind to yourself. Mm. And it's a really strange dance to have sometimes because there are days when you just don't want to write, but you force yourself to. And there are days where you can't, you can't be kept away from the page. And you've got to take the rough with the smooth and the good with the bad and all those, all those hackneyed expressions, they're all 100% true. Mm. And the humbling thing about the process is that Everything you think you're immune to the rules, but it all applies to you, mm. and you've got to go through it. Uh, but yeah, your mind. I was always largely positive. Yeah, I was always hopeful. I was always. I had my eyes wide open. And how you know, much I, did I didn't think you know I'm just going to breeze in here. Yeah. And it's going to be easy. Um, I accepted uh, that one of my favorite quotes on creativity is that you know um, if you can accept the pain, it doesn't hurt. Mm. So just accept it. It's it's the way it is. And you, you know, you know, another thing as well, you wouldn't want it to be easy. You're not doing this because it's easy. If I wanted it easy, you know, I'd work at Macca's and Macca's is pretty tough. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, we're, we're, I'm attracted to doing it because it's impossible. It's an impossible task. But, but if you tell yourself it's impossible, don't you then make it impossible? Like you need no, to no, stay in that positive. <laughs> well, I was listening to this other podcast. Was well, this dangerous? Maybe, then. maybe, <laughs> that, maybe that's a better word for it. I was listening to a podcast yesterday but, um, with Ellie Swift and she was, she's a business coach and she was talking about how how to make your business easy. It's all about just 
just telling yourself it's easy. If you tell yourself it's really hard, then it will be. Like, it's so much about mindset. If you tell yourself you're really stressed out, then you will be. But if you just embrace it and say, no, this is just, it's just a period. It's just a season where (laughs) it's high energy and we're getting a lot done. Yeah. Uh, And I think... It's good advice. It was really good advice because I feel like I often fall into that Mm. hole. Oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, it's got so much on. I'm so busy. And it, it really is just a mindset. How much did visualization play a role in getting published did you visualize your like the publisher calling you all the time yeah, yeah just ego trips really i still remember <laughs> the day you got the contract i've got to tell the story yeah, go we on. were at the <laughs> ginger farm in far yeah. north queensland butterham butterham ginger what was it yeah and we were just ginger. and we were yeah, it's when we're caravanning around australia with our <laughs> little ruby little bronte wasn't born yet I don't even think I was pregnant at that point. No. I think we found out I was pregnant a couple of weeks later. Anyway, and then um, we're at the ginger farm going on this little train with Ruby and everything. We go back to the cafe and David's like, checks his phone, got a voicemail from Fremantle Press saying that I need to call them. And I said, oh, you're going to call them? And he's like, oh, they're probably going to tell me they're not going to publish me. And I said, I don't think they're calling you to tell you that they're not publishing you. (laughs) You (laughs) never know. Your self-doubt was still in. And then I just remember you, you like, exited the cafe and then you came back in, like, 20 minutes later or something, had this huge smile on your face and then we were just, like, crying, hugging... (laughs) People thought, like, what's going on here? I don't know what people thought in the cafe. They must have thought we were so odd, but we were just, like, bawling yeah. our eyes out and hugging. Oh, it was such a great day. Anyway, getting a bit off topic, but you've got to celebrate those wins, don't you? You do. you got to celebrate those wins. And my, my favourite part of that day was um, uh, we went to the bottle store and I got some Guinnesses and we got some champagne and we had that. We put Ruby to bed. I went for a walk and then I sat down and did my words for the day on the mm. other book that I was writing. And I laughed my ass off, probably because I was I was pretty buzzy from the Guinness still, but <laughs> it it was great because it was a really hard writing day that day, probably because of the Guinness. But um, because <laughs> and I laughed and laughed because I was like, "Wow, I'm now a published author, and this is not any easier." You know, there's no mm. lightning bolt that's come down from the sky. You know, like Zeus appears. You, David Allen Vitale, you are now a published writer. Here is the ultimate skill. And like, no, I'm still just mm. a, a human slaving away at this at this blank page. And I was so appreciative of that. that so it's humbling, isn't it? It's humbling. It was great. It was like, yes, cool. Like, And it reinforced to me that the whole publishing thing is totally separate from mm. the creative part. It's like, that just reminds me of Denise Duffield Thomas, who's mm. a um, wealth coach, and she was saying... She always thought that when she would be a millionaire, like, life would be so much easier and mm. just her life would change and this would happen and that would happen. And I just got more cash, right? And it's <laughs> like, actually, it doesn't really change anything. You've got more money, but you've still got similar problems. Right. And if you think, like, your money is just going to make everything, all your problems be solved, yeah. then you're being misled because... I mean, we know that some people who win the lotto, they they spend all their money quickly and they probably end up more mm. depressed than before they even won the lotto. So, so it's about what you do rather than what you, have, what, what you have. Yeah. It's interesting how you can have these huge wins and then actually life, you're still facing the same problems, which yeah. maybe we can sum that up with. How do you stay motivated? I'd like to talk about um, one of the best books on 
Well, I, I read this almost daily. I still do. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called the, the War of Art. Oh, you love that book. And also the sequel, which is Turning Prose, by a guy called Stephen Pressfield, and he wrote Gates of Fire. By the way, we'll put all these uh, resources in the footnotes. He wrote Gates of Fire, which is a fantastic account of the Battle of Thermopylae, uh, which is what the movie 300 talks about. Um, mm. He also wrote The Legend of Bag of Ants, which was turned into a movie with Will Smith and uh, Matt Damon and Charlize Theron. And in The Legend of Bag of Ants, this is Pressfield's stuff, um, he took, um, Bag of Ants you know, is the caddy of a golfer who's struggling with PTSD after World War One. Bag of Ants kind of just appears and, and he's like this wise guy, you know, wise person who helps, um, who helps the golfer overcome a lot of his fears. And one day they're out on the golf course and he's thinking, how am I going to make this shot? This is incredible. And Bag of Ants just says to him, it's time for you to see the field. It's time for you to actually look at what you're doing with soft eyes that are full of love and no expectation. Mm. He says, what you've got to find is the perfect, is uh, the authentic swing. The swing that's in, in harmony with yourself and with the turning of the seasons and with this field. And it's not going to be found by forcing it. It's not going to be found by concentrating. It's going to be found by getting out of its way mm. and letting it choose you. And it's something that I... I thought about for a long time i was like what the hell is this you know what does that mean (laughs) what do you mean like don't try and it's it's about trusting yourself um some of the greatest days that i have doing doing writing uh doing my rule doing my words is i get up really early i don't have a coffee or a tea i'm half asleep and i don't even think about it i just write Mm. it's like your subconscious and it just comes out i just get out of the way of it Mm. but when i try to write terrible when i try to force the creativity it's terrible so that's why i think it's important to keep it to keep it separate and and even in even in the work that i do for red platypus when i'm needing to do something creative i get out of its way Mm. and i let it flow and i let it happen Mm. it's a very hard thing to do Particularly on deadline, but uh, I think it's it's an important thing to do. It's a very watch that movie, Legend of Bad Events. It'll change your life. War of Art. I often find like if you're stru- <laughs> like if you got writer's block or something. Like yeah. I had this the other day. I just was struggling even to write a sentence on this blog post I had to work on. I just started writing, and I knew it was pretty crap. But a few paragraphs in, just suddenly the flow picked up, mm. and it got easier and it got easier. Yeah. And then obviously I could go back to the start at the end and. Yeah. revamp it but it's just getting it done get in there starting start it. it and it might be crap but once once you start you'll yeah. find it will continue and it will just get better and better i think that's like with anything like with anything you feel fear and you don't want to do it mm. and maybe at first it's really really hard and crap <laughs> <laughs> but the more you plug away at it the easier it gets and then you find that that fear drops away well your, when your dad was in the army he told me that the thing that they feared the most was they all felt fear before the mission, mm. waiting around and imagining mm. and all that kind of stuff. Because you imagine act- the worst cases for scenario. Sure. And none of it's in your control. But when you're mm. actually out there in the field doing what you've got to do, it's all right. You're focused, yeah. You're focused and it's all right. Yeah. You don't have time for fear. No. So get yeah. it done. Get, get, dive in. Mm. <laughs> I think we should leave it there. Oh, yeah, that was a great chat. Thank you. Great <laughs> Thank chat. Thank you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, well, stay tuned for next week. We're going to have another yeah. brilliant, committed creative on the podcast, and we will see you then. Here's to going all in on your, your creative, creative pursuits. pursuits. Not endeavours. I, I always try to say endeavours. Okay, well, let's do that again. Until yeah. then. Go again. Until then. Here's, here's to, to going, going all in, in on, on your, your creative, creative pursuits. pursuits. Nailed it. You. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Committed Creative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned at least one thing that will help you stay on the creative path. If you liked it, please subscribe as there's plenty more to come. And we'd love it if you could leave us a review if you found the podcast worthwhile. And if you didn't, please send us your feedback. We're all ears. You can check us out online at redplatypuscreative.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at redplatypuscreative. Remember... You are not alone in your creativity and you can make money from your creative pursuits. See you next time when we speak to another creative mind that's committed to making their way work. Here's to going all in and becoming a committed creative.